Hey everyone, and welcome to a, another very special Talking Psalm episode. We have Robert with us. So glad you're here. Welcome, Robert. Thanks, Daniel. It's uh, great to be here. A little bit surreal, um, but uh, <laughs> glad to be here. I imagine you've you've seen other episodes, you know, on the channel, and now you're here. Is that why it's a little surreal? <laughs> exactly. Probably everyone. Every episode. So. <laughs> no, I, I've heard that before. But yeah, with that said, uh, again, so glad you're here. And for those of you who don't know Robert, who don't know you, um, you actually we actually connected first uh, several months back. You had a, a call with me, and then I had a sense that you would be a good fit for our immunity program, and we talked about it. You joined, and I'm so glad you're here, and that things ended up, you know, going so well for you. But with that said, tell us the story. How, how did you have uh, start having trouble sleeping? Sure, sure. So I was, you know, an incredible sleeper most of my life. Uh, my normal sleep, I would sort of struggle to stay awake at night, honestly, and zonk out, usually reading every night around the same time. And usually a solid eight hours, you know, maybe get up once or twice, wake up, but uh, fall right back to sleep. And 99% of the time, never an issue. And any past sleep issues I had were really, you know, tied to really easily identifiable specific factors. So if I was having a lot of stress at work or in a relationship, that might, um, you know, cause me to, to toss and turn at night and never falling asleep. But you have those those middle of the night awakenings and your brain gets hold of a thought and it's off to the races and you can't you can't comment for a few hours. So. I've had those in the past, but whenever something like that would happen, you know, if it was work stress, well, once I got past whatever project was causing that stress, right back to sleeping normal and, and never really thought much about the sleep component other than, you know, I'm tired. Um, that sort of changed about 13 months ago. So August, 2022, early August, it was just sort of a, a perfect storm of, of personal issues that all occurred for me at the same time. And, led to sort of this two-day prolonged anxiety attack, which was a rare thing for me because normally I, I don't have much anxiety. I don't have sort of general anxiety. I, I would get it time to time again, like work stress, that sort of thing, but nothing that uh, disrupted my life too majorly. So I had this, this two days where I was basically on edge and awake pretty much the whole time. I had, you know, what, what I now would know to classify a surrender sleep around 3 or 4 a.m. on the second night. Uh, but other than that, I was I was up and that really only subsided after I remembered, you know, I had in the back of my medicine cabinet some anxiety medication from from a, a doctor that had prescribed to me about like 10 years prior when I was going through some relationship issues and didn't really take much of it then because I, I didn't enjoy the the effects of it too much. But I figured I was in sort of a, a desperate mode at that point, so I I took one and and that calmed me down. And um, I was able to sleep that night for like a solid nine hours. Like had hit the pillow, went out, click nine hours later, like opened up my eyes, hadn't moved a muscle. Uh, I was just completely completely zonked out. And I said, okay, like, great. I'm, I'm back on track here. And, and this is, this is all over. And that was a Saturday evening and Sunday I went through my normal kind of off day and then had uh, work the next day, Monday. So I, I go to bed Sunday night thinking, well, let's get a good night's sleep because I got work in the morning. And that was 
um, a sleepless night. I, I did not sleep a minute that I'm aware of. And so that's sort of sort of the origin story where it started. Now, thanks for sharing that. And it's, it's a common story. I'm sure you, you heard it before that it starts with like an event and then somehow, you know, there's some more sleep and then it's like, okay, that was a little blip. But then it happens again. And now oftentimes it's when, you know, we get really scared. We're like, oh, this must mean something is really, really off is happening. Was that similar to what you were, how you were interpreting this? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the, those first two nights where I was awake, again, I, I wanted to sleep and, and was trying to, but I knew I was in this heightened state that that was what was preventing me from sleeping. And so the fact I wasn't sleeping wasn't enjoyable, but like I got it. And then once I had this night where in my, you know, logical part of my brain is everything's fine. I'm past that. I feel fine. I'm not experiencing any sort of anxiety right now. Um, and yet I just went to bed and <laughs> laid here for eight hours where most nights I can hardly keep my eyes open. So, you know, what's going on. And, uh, in, in, in what happened, you know, from then on, like the next day, were you quite frazzled? Did you, did you do something the next day or you just, you were you just kind of like, Oh, let's, let's see what happens next night or what happened? What happened next? Yeah, super frazzled. Uh, my mother was the only person I had, had clued into what was going on at that point. And I, you know, I, I have the, the joy, the benefit of working from home. So I was, I was sitting right here and, and she ran out to, you know, get something over the counter for me to try and help me sleep. She had talked to the pharmacist and they, I think, gave her like a Benadryl antihistamine and told her this has basically the same active ingredient to make someone drowsy as a standard over-the-counter sleep medicine, but it doesn't have some of the other sort of nasty side effects. So um, she brought me that and I tried that and to no avail, it didn't do anything. So I got in touch with my doctor. I had to wait a few days to get a telemedicine appointment. So sort of in the interim, I was basically uh, popping those anxiety meds at night that I had, I had taken the few days prior to, to knock me out. And those sort of bridged the gap for the three, four, five nights till I was able to talk to my doctor. So, so those nights you were, you were taking those anti-anxiety anxiety pills and you were sleeping some, but I'm guessing you were not sleeping well. Yeah, not great. Obviously it's, you know, it then became like this hyper fixation. That's all I could think about. And, uh, you know, those, those would do enough to, to put me down for a few hours and get me through the day. But uh, it was definitely a very confusing time. Totally here. And so, but then finally you get this telemedicine appointment and, uh, and what, what does the doctor think or say and what happens next? Uh, yeah, it was, it was a very brief thing and uh, I just told him what was going on and he basically said, okay, I'm going to write you a script for Trazodone to take as needed, which I you know, seems to be the conventional first step for, for most people. And he said, just take it as needed. So if, if you can sleep without it, just don't take it. But if you need it, then take it. And at this point, I, I couldn't sleep without it. Um, so I, I was taking it pretty much every night, some nights just taking it at like eight o'clock and be like, all right, I'm going to go to sleep at nine and, and sleep through the night. Other nights being like, well, let's see. And then come midnight when I'm not asleep, um, that's when I would pop it. Um, and to his credit, though, he also did 
prescribed me CBT. And the problem was that, you know, he, he gave the initial prescription advised I go through the hospital system he was associated with. And when I got in touch with their, you know, psychology unit, they basically said, well, we're super backed up. We can put you on a waiting list, you know, like the waiting list to the waiting list to get an appointment in like several weeks. I'm like, well, that's not really helpful. But they said, you know, because of that, you can go wherever you want with this, you know, uh, referral. So feel free to just kind of poke around locally and, and see what you can find. And I did, I didn't find any local CBTI therapists. Uh, so I was kind of um, miffed by that. So I was like, well, I don't want to just do, you know, I'm going to do it. Don't just do the normal CBT, but do the CBTI. Um, but also I didn't pursue it too strongly because my, my mindset at that point, having been such a great sleeper most of my life was really, well, things will just sort of snap back at some point and, and I'll get rolling and, um, you know, the, the CBTI won't necessarily be something that I even need because who can, who can stay like this forever, basically. Got it. And so, yeah, I understand like you, you had this, you know, you've always slept really well. You were, you were sort of just waiting for that to kick back in. Uh, but, um, at, but the, at this stretch, you're now, you're taking trazodone every night and tell us like what's what's you know what's sleep like and also like how are you feeling during the day how's work going how, how are things how are you feeling in general in general not that bad um, i was sleeping fairly well and taking the trazodone for a time and you know there was even points where i'm like well, I, I don't even need this. You know, this is the night I'm not going to take and I'll be fine and, and what have you. And again, it was still that mindset of, well, this just has to snap back to normal at some point. So it, it hadn't become any sort of major emotional, mental uh, event at that point. It was still very much just, oh, I'm not sleeping. This is really weird and confusing, but I'm taking these these uh these prescription drugs and they're doing the trick and i'm able to get through the day and work and all that yeah i completely get it and um and so yeah what happens next you're, you're sort of like you know maybe maybe going towards cbti but not really pursuing it that strongly but yeah what happens uh, what happens next yeah so as as others before me have have experienced the trazodone just stop working at some point where you know, maybe a few hours or it wouldn't do anything. Uh, so I get back in touch with the doctor. Meanwhile, again, I have to wait days and days to get my 32nd telemedicine appointment, which is, you know, supposed to be 15 minutes, but ended up, you know, I, I, I had to get the doctor to stretch to get to like a minute um, because he basically got on. I was like, well, take melatonin too. Keep taking the trazodone, but take melatonin as well. Uh, so I did that. And I returned to sleeping well for a short period. And then when that stopped working, same thing again. So I'd get in touch with the doctor again. And I wait a few days and not really sleeping, but I'm still, you know, I've got these old anxiety meds where I'm like, well, this will get me a night or two. And then, so the third go around of the telemedicine, I was prescribed a low dose of quetiapine, which I think is better, better known rather by the brand name Seroquel. And, and that would knock me out pretty good. Um, so I was 
I was kind of in that pattern for a while of jumping from one medication to the next. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and again, you, you don't really have a specific theory, uh, oh boy, this is happening. It's just like something <laughs> is off, but eventually it'll correct itself. Or did you have some idea? Do you have some theory of what was happening? Yeah. I mean, I knew I could trace it all that, you know, that, that sort of two day of, of overwhelming anxiety was basically there was before and after. So before, you know, never really sleep issues, uh, of any extent to, to get too concerned about. And after that, all of a sudden, you know, everything changed and I'm, I'm sleeping some taking these medications, but it's, it's not like before. Whereas before it was like, you know, zonking out at night, falling asleep on the cap. You know, I, I'd had to be careful about like, if it's 7 p.m. and I usually go to bed at nine on a work night, like I can't get on the couch because I'll fall asleep and then I'll wake up at 2 a.m. and it'll throw everything off. So like, that's how kind of strong my sleep drive, my sleep confidence was. Like I could, mm -hmm. I could sleep in this chair sitting here if I had like, you know, 15 minutes before my next meeting at work and I'm feeling drowsy, I could just do one of these and like yeah, yeah, yeah. take a quick nap. So I, I knew that was sort of the triggering event. I just, you know, mentally I'm like, well, I, I, you know, I changed something in my brain basically, but, but at the same time, well, I didn't have like trauma, you know, like a physical trauma, like nothing physically changed, but somehow I got rewired in a way that uh, isn't, isn't ideal at this point. Totally. And, and so you're now you're on this, this pattern of like, you know, trying something, it stops working. Then we try something else, it stops working. And now we're trying the Seroquel and yeah. I'm guessing that that also stopped working. You upped the dose or what, what happened next? Yeah. Um, at that, it was working and it, it didn't really stop working in this phase of my journey. But what happened next was that, you know, I, I knew medications weren't the answer and I wanted to eliminate them. So I had, you know, at this point done some of the, some Googling and tried to figure out, you know, what can I do here? And, you know, CBTI, which we talked about, is, is sort of the, the main cure that gets rolled out there as this um, golden standard, you know, 70 to 80% success rate, et cetera, et cetera. And I did start looking back at like, well, let me see if I can find local like CBT therapists to work with. And I was talking to a guy, but I also started doing, you know, sleep restriction because I saw, well, that's the core component of CBTI. I don't really prescribe to the sleep hygiene stuff because again, like I've, I've fallen asleep anywhere and everywhere. Like I'm behind the wheel, sad, like not for extended periods, but like it's happened. And like, I've been at basketball games with 20,000 cheering fans and been like, you know, crazy environment and I can barely keep my eyes open. So like not watching TV two hours before bed and this and that, like I knew that wasn't really, really what it was. So, I figured though, well, maybe this sleep restriction is something I've never done that before. Uh, so I, I sort of went down that path self-administered, which, uh, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure some actual CBTI, uh, rules and regulations I didn't adhere to, but I basically was like, you know, I'm just going to exhaust myself. So I set a sleep window basically like midnight to five, you know, five hours, which they said is like the recommended minimum. And so I would, stay out here in my living room 
until about 1130. And that's when I would like get ready for bed and with the goal of like fall asleep midnight, wake up at five. Um, so that was that was my next venture. And, and how what happened? <laughs> um, my first attempt, it actually went very well. I was, you know, I, my, my goal or my plan was basically do whatever till like 930, then 930 to 1030, I could watch TV and then 1030 to 1130, no screens. And I would read and that at 1130 is when I would go to bed and I would be falling asleep on the couch, um, watching TV, reading, like there were nights that it was just like effectively asleep for that, like two hour period where I'm on the couch. Not like deep, deep sleep, but like the, you know, head nodding while watching a movie or like reading a book and, you know, stuck on the same paragraph and next thing I know, 40 minutes have passed and, and that sort of thing. And even like I went over to a few friends' houses to just hang out and we'd be watching a game on TV and I'd be dozing off, you know, in, in the recliner. And I'm like, well, this is this is positive because that was a pretty common occurrence for me before and it's it's working its way back. So things seemed to be going well. I was sleeping through the night. Uh, things were going in the in the right direction. And then I had a speed bump and, you know, I stupidly, I guess, thought it was going to be a linear process. Like, oh, you're getting more tired and more tired and things are getting better. Why would you go back to a sleepless night again? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I had a speed bump. And I'm like, all right, pull out this hair cool again, like just get a get a good week's sleep and, you know, get through work, get through all that. And then we'll try it again. So I did like a week of the Seroquel. Then I had another go at the sleep restriction. And it just, it, it wasn't as good as the first go around. I, I wasn't really dozing off on the couch quite as much. Like I said before, um, it was okay. But I could tell like this isn't working like it did before. And then I had another speed bump. And response was basically the same as the previous time, which was, okay, pull out the Seroquel again. Let's... Let's reset, get a good week of sleep, and and then we'll try this again. And the the third time around with the the self-administered sleep restriction is really where I began my my downward spiral, I guess you could say. Because prior to that, again, in my head it was like there were signs that I could sleep and and I just figured again, like this can't be it. Like I can't just have gone to like, boom, perfect sleep to can't sleep at all the rest of my life and good luck. So um, when I tried the, the sleep restriction the third time and it was even worse than the prior two times, that's when it started to, to kind of click for me. So I restricted my sleep for a few nights in a row, but I was still getting very little sleep. So like four hours a night, maybe. And that's like, you know, I'm sleeping like 12, 31, two in the morning till like four or five in the morning. Um, so not great. And, and sustaining that for a few days to the point where like, I should really be exhausted at this point. And then like the fourth or fifth night in, I was on the couch and not dozing off, but like I felt tired. So I, well, let me just try to go to bed at a normal time. And I did. And I, I got a good night's sleep, you know, like eight hours. So I'm like, oh, that's good. Uh, but the next night, I actually went out with friends to a concert and so didn't even get home till like midnight and still just didn't sleep much that night. And the next two 
two, three nights, whatever it was, uh, also did not sleep much. And so that's when, that's when, you know, the gears started turning and I'm like, Oh, this, this could be a real, real problem. Yeah. So now, you know, you've heard that, you know, CBTI and sleep restriction is the biggest component that is kind of the gold standard. You try that a couple of times and now that seems to like not work anymore. And it sounds like this is the point where it goes from like some concern, but it's more like a nuisance that it will fix itself eventually to like, now it's more like, okay, this could be a real problem. Something like that is, is starting to happen, but uh, is that right? And, and just take us forward. 100%. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like, you know, the, the true insomnia experience is extremely mental and emotional. And up to that point, it was more like I had sleep disruption. And then this was when, you know, it almost really started for me. So like, I guess it was like November, late November. So I, I had managed a few months of just like, well, this stinks, but like I'm making it through. And, th and that's when things kind of, kind of changed. So at this point, I, it was the week of Thanksgiving and I was off work and I had planned to go on this solo trip to New York City. Um, New York, uh, rather, I'm from Syracuse, New York, uh, Syracuse University. I'm a huge SU sports fan. And they were playing down in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center in sort of a early season basketball tournament, you know, non-conference basketball tournament. So I had that circled on my calendar for a while, wanted to go to that. And I sort of waffled on taking the trip and, and booking it because, because of the sleep issues, because of the sleep issues, hundred percent. And then finally, I'm just like, well, don't let the insomnia win, go do it and, you know, have fun and make the most of it. And like, it'll be great. Uh, or it might not be great, but, but do it anyway. And uh, so I booked it shortly before and I, I went down and I, I took Amtrak, took the train which I normally do. And, and normally I'll, I'll sleep on the train. Um, it's not a, it's not a given, but pretty frequently I would. And I definitely didn't this time. And what made it worse is that, you know, like everyone else on the train is asleep, including the person next to me, like the entire time. And I'm just kind of sitting there and actually most of the way down, I had, you know, I, I guess I had forgot to mention this. I had, over the, the previous weekend when like I was really starting to to go down that hill and, and realize things weren't great, I had did some research and found a CBTI therapist and not local, but someone I could do sort of those telemedicine appointments with who was located uh, a few hours away. And so we had scheduled this appointment for the Monday after Thanksgiving. So I'm about a week out from that at this point and i'm just spending most of the ride filling out uh the intake form for our introductory meeting and so i do that on the way down and then i get down to manhattan and check into my hotel and that's really when like my anxiety started spiking and you know i'm trying to enjoy myself and go into the games and you know keep them busy during the day but like I'm just completely fixated, and uh, you know, the first night I'm I'm there at the game, and you know, however, ten thousand, fifteen thousand people in this place, and everybody's having a great time except for me. And, you know, I'm just kind of like sitting there, like, oh, just get me out of here. This is miserable. I just want to go back to my room and like get in bed, uh, which I did, and 
did not sleep much that night, uh, you know, tossed and turned, got a little bit. And I, you know, was still kind of in my head, like, well, I can't, I can't stay in bed. You know, you got to get out of bed in the morning. But I was just like so exhausted and so over it that like I pulled out my laptop and I was, you know, watching, watching something on there and got a little bit of like half and half surrender sleep where like I'm dozing off watching something and enough to just like, it was something, <laughs> but it wasn't great. And so that next day, now we're into my second day there. And I had all these plans of things I wanted to do. I just scrapped them all. I'm like, I'm going to walk the entirety of Central Park because I need to wear myself out. And so I was staying probably 20 or so blocks south of the park. So I walked all the way there. I walked all the way through the park up to like Harlem, went out to lunch, took the train back. This and that went to the game again that night, the second game of, of this tournament. And again, was like just completely miserable. And then <laughs> it was a late game. It didn't even start to like nine. So it's going to like 11 and I just want it to end. I don't care if they win or lose. And then they go into overtime and I'm like, no, this is just cruel torture. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, I, I, I get out of there. I get back on the subway up to Manhattan. It was like a 20, 30 minute ride. And I get to my hotel room and, and again, I, I, maybe like an hour sleep in the middle of the night, but, but pretty much nothing. Um, and so I go from there and I'm actually taking Greyhound home. So I get on the bus and my mom's texting me to check in like, Oh, you know, how was your trip? And, and that's when I felt like not, not great. <laughs> actually, actually it was terrible. And I tell her what's going on. And she said, well, why don't you come, you know, cause I, I live alone. And wasn't in a great state at that point. So she said, you know, why don't you come come home for a few days and and stay with uh stay with stay with her and my dad and you know my parents. So that is what I did at that point. Got it. And I um you know, you you're telling telling your story very nicely and and uh um I had really just one thing that came up to my mind is that I, I remember from the time, you know, we were working in the immune program that I think you were staying with your parents at yeah. that point. And did did you, you know, where you are in the story now, you stay with your parents for a little bit. Did that kind of end up being where you stayed for quite a while? Yeah, like probably like eight months, yeah. <laughs> which not what I expected to do in my, you know, mid to late 30s. It was abandon my apartment and move in with them. But uh, thank, thank goodness they were available to basically a very human thing right we we feel like frazzled scared and you know we we want to be near somebody who loves us and cares for us and 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 so i guess that that that, that was where you stay there you felt you know you felt taken care of you felt that there was somebody there that you could talk to something like that you felt, it felt easier in a way right yeah the support system and like you know i i was in no state to be you know grocery shopping even at that point like i I couldn't fathom doing anything. Um, so yeah, fortunately they they were there for me as always. That's, um, yeah, that's so wonderful. I'm so glad you know you had your parents, of course. But that said, it sounds like now uh, sleep is becoming this huge thing uh, that you you probably spent like most of the waking hours thinking about. Is that true? And how how are things going with work? And how are you functioning at this point and going forward? Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent of my life at this point. Um, this in this sort of last phase I was talking about, this all took place 
the week of Thanksgiving when I'm off work. So I'm, you know, I, I start spiraling. I go to New York City. I'm moving with my parents. Um, you know, I, I get through the Thanksgiving holiday, obviously miserable, like you know, my whole family could tell, um, and like kind of skipped all the holiday parties and this and that. Um, but at that point, so I'm, I'm not working that week, but I'm working the following week. And I also had my intro meeting with the CBTI therapist that Monday. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just completely frazzled, but I'm like, let me get back to work. That'll be a good distraction. So it's not all day of like lying on the couch and, you know, stewing and, and then I'll meet with her and, and things will start, you know, moving in the right direction. So I was like, I just need to make it through these few days and, and that's what I did. And I'm like, like I said, I'm basically in crisis mode at this point. Like I'm, I'm completely distraught. I'm not sleeping, extremely anxious, depressed, et cetera. Um, you know, spending my it, all day on the couch and all night, like just Googling all things insomnia, which is I'm sure a common experience amongst uh, me and, and everyone else that goes through this, you know, looking up the health impacts of sleep deprivation and cures and, and side effects of all these medicines I'm now taking. Um, and also sort of worth noting at this point is, you know, once I, I move in with my parents is when my dad reveals to me that he struggled from insomnia for 38 years. <laughs> and I won't delve much into his whole personal story. That's, that's a whole other, you know, episode. Um, but I will say, you know, he's been sleeping well the past 10 years, uh, thankfully. So, uh, that's all good, but it's funny because here I am like basically like a week into this of like really experiencing it. And I'm just like complete downward spiral. And he did it for four decades. And I, I grew up, I had no idea. No, not a clue. I only remembered like the 10 years prior when he started taking some proactive steps of like sleep, uh, sleep test, sleep apnea test, et cetera, doing this, that, and the other thing. And, and then it passed and he slept great as far as I, you know, we've shared hotel rooms many times. And like, I, it never occurred to me. Uh, and that would just, uh, just to it's, go it's ahead, yeah. for a second, like when, when he tells you that, like, is it kind of like, is it, does it scare you because you, you think it's like, oh my gosh, I have what you had, or is it kind of more like, oh, I'm not the only one or, or how did you react to that? Uh, yeah. Gift and a curse. The gift being, oh, there's someone else who gets it because no one, no one does. Unless you've been through it, you don't get it. Uh, try as you might. And I, I didn't get before. Cause like, again, he had gone through it and I'm just like, how do you have trouble sleeping? Like it's, you know, I could sleep anywhere, anytime, as they say. Uh, but the, you know, the, the curse side of it was, you know, he's my closest blood relative. I get 50% of my DNA from him and this happened to him. So of course it's happening to me now. It was just waiting to be unlocked. So that again, cemented like, oh, this doesn't just zap back to normal. And you know, this, this could be it. This might just be how I am at this point. Wow. All right. And uh, thanks for sharing this. And then, um, so I think next, kind of one of the, the big next steps here is like you, you're now meeting the CBTI therapist. Like, um, tell us about that. How did that go? Yeah. So we meet that Monday. It was like hour and a half, two hour session. Um, my hopes were admittedly pretty low going into it because I'd already tried sleep, sleep restriction. And I, I mentioned before, not really placing much faith in sleep hygiene because again, I could have slept under any conditions before. So I really knew my insomnia was 
tied to that singular event and that was the trigger and, and you know how do you fix that so you know just despite my low hopes you know you'll you'll try anything at that point i thought i had to give it a fair shake so i was i was all in even though in the back of my mind i'm like eh. uh but uh you know the session went relatively well but that evening actually i i just downward spiraled ever worse than before and that's when my parents really just intervened you know at that point they were comforting me and you know meet with this therapist and this and that and every you know you'll get going like look at your father he's been through this it it, it can be fixed uh but i was just completely out of sorts and that's when they really intervened and said you know you you can't fix this on your own we can't help you beyond what we're doing right now which is just supporting you and so you need you need real professional help of of some variety and i said okay like i'm not in the mental condition right now to make these decisions for myself so whatever you tell me to do is is what i'll do and and they advised that i i check into the hospital and and so that's what i did wow and, and I mean, for them to say that they must have seen you uh, being really, really distraught, you know, in, in a really difficult place. But how uh, in a sort of, you know, more technical aspect of this, like how did, did they say, did you tech, did you like go to an emergency room, like a psychiatric emergency room or, or was that? Yeah. Yep. So we this was a Monday evening when they said, you know, let's first thing tomorrow morning, we'll take you. And that night, you know, I took Seroquel, whatever I could get my hands on, you know, slept like an hour. And then Tuesday morning, uh, my mom made some calls to see like, let's see if we can like expedite and get you, you know, immediate help. And I went up and, and called into work and I spoke actually to my, my boss's boss, cause my boss was an hour behind. I'm like, let me, she was available. Let me talk to her and told her what was going on. And, and, you know, kudos to her and everyone else I work with were, extremely supportive this whole time. And she just basically told me, you know, do what you got to do. So I, I, uh, you know, I notified I'd just be off for, I don't know how long, but uh, hopefully back at some point. And my dad drove me to the hospital and we went in to the emergency room and, and what's sort of the norm these days is there's like a million people in the waiting room and Lord knows how long we've been sitting there, but clearly I'm in some sort of crisis. So they get me back pretty quick into the emergency department. And I spend about 24 hours there until they have a bed open up in, in the psychiatric ward. And that's when I, I went up there and that in itself could be a whole call. So I won't get into all the, the minutia, uh, you know, the, the cruel irony, sort of the worst part of it was I could practically see my apartment from the, the window of like the common room and, and in the ward I was in. So that was like, Oh, Hey, there, you know, three months ago, that was my life and everything was going great. And like career was taking off and personally, everything was great. And now like I'm up in here and, you know, is this my life now? Am I, have I forever changed? And like, you know, cause most of the people in there uh, that I'm speaking with are like, you know, oh, first time or like, this is, you know, I've, I spent a year here and I've spent two years there. And this is, you know, this is just kind of, that was kind of their life was like, just, in in and out of these places and you know ultimately that was just such a surreal experience not something anyone i think ever imagines they'd go through but you know looking back i'm 
I'm thankful it, that resource was there for me because, you know, it basically saved my life. It's what I needed at the time. And, you know, every, everyone was there it was great. Uh, the other patients, the, the doctors, the nurses and the staff. So I spent, I spent six total nights in the hospital trying this various, you know, um, prescription cocktails, the, the combinations of this, that, and the other thing, all just trying to get me to sleep and, you know, meeting with a psychiatrist there and asking, well, what do I got to do to get out of here? I just want to, you know, and I just want to see you get some sleep. So, you know, unfortunately for a variety of reasons, that is the standard treatment for insomnia. You know, it's, it's a lack of research and, and knowledge, I guess. And it's, you know, big pharma on the other hand, probably altogether, but basically it's give this, you know, this, this person, give them some drugs and knock them out. And when those stop working, give them some more drugs and then give them, give them some different ones. Um, and really every, every medical professional I interact with up to this point all told me the same thing, which is basically here, take this. And then when I express concern, like, okay. And then two weeks when this doesn't work anymore, you know, what's, what's the deal. And they're all basically like, you'll get back to sleeping normal again. You know, it's don't worry about it. You'll be fine. And no one could tell me how or when or, or why I might get back to sleeping normal again, but just, yeah, you'll, you'll be fine and you'll live a normal life and don't even worry about it. So, uh, that wasn't the, the most reassuring part that no one, no one could really give me an answer. But again, I was there six straight nights and it was finally after that six night, I slept six straight hours, which is not like the greatest, but at that point was far improved from, from what I was doing. And that was, I think I took a hundred milligrams of Seroquel that night and they had me on 12 and a half milligrams of Zoloft daily. And so that's, okay. that's what it took to, to get me out of there. Wow. And so I think, I, I think we might've talked about this in a call or, or maybe somebody else shared something very similar, but I think the idea then becomes something like, okay, we have this kind of cocktail, this combination that seems to work. Let's, let's get you home and, and hope it continues to work something like that. But, uh, right. but uh, anyway, I'm also so glad that, you know, things were, you know, this kind of stabilized, it was helpful for you at the time, but but yes, so they, they find this combo that seems to help. You're you're discharged, and uh, yeah, what happens next? Yeah, yeah, and and they were very clear with me. Like this is not a long term facility. We just want to get you like baseline stabilized, get you out of here, and then you know obviously there's outpatient uh, treatment you can seek, but you know you're not staying here terribly long. So I get out of there. I go back to my parents' house. I continue with those medications they gave me. Um, and I am, you know, a few nights getting like eight, nine hours sleep, kind of just knocking me out, but I'm really skeptical of the Seroquel. It made my heart race. Like I have a pretty low resting heart rate and it was like 20, 30 beats per minute higher. Just, I could just be sitting here and it was like beating out of my chest and also read about all sorts of terrible long-term side effects from, from taking that drug. So I wasn't too keen on staying on it too long. And, you know, the, the sleep I was getting wasn't great. I wasn't dozing off. I wasn't feeling tired. It was take the Seroquel, get in bed, read for a while, and then estimate, well, it takes about an hour to kick in. So turn out the lights and just lay here till it, till it knocks you out. And then the next morning you just kind of snap too. And so it wasn't, it wasn't optimal. Um, but fortunately, I also at that time started working with 
a psychiatrist locally that specializes in sleep issues. And that was a few weeks after my hospital stay. I linked up with him and he switched me from the Seroquel to the Doxepin um, as sort of the primary medicine for sleep and also up my Zoloft to 50 milligrams from 12 and a half or 25, whatever I was taking at that point, which, which wasn't much. And, you know, similarly around that time, I, I returned to work. So I was off that, that week of Thanksgiving and then in the hospital the following week and then tried to return the next week, but I, I needed to give them like a 72 hour notice. So I, I was off for like a few weeks. Uh, and fortunately I can work remotely. So I like, didn't have to go in an office. I was able to just work from home or my parents' house at that point and, and really wanted to get back to work because at this point, so much of my life is just spiraling out of control. And I'm like, here's this one thing, like I can control this. I can hopefully keep doing this. And, you know, also, I've worked hard to get to where I am in my career and I don't want this, this thing to destroy it and go back to square one. So I stuck at it with the work and then my, you know, my free time was basically back to like, let me lay on the couch all day, um, either depressed, staring at the ceiling for hours or pull out the laptop and just Google away wow. on uh, all things insomnia. And, you know, you, you go down these rabbit holes um, and you know, the, I mentioned that mostly because I think most people in, in the insomnia, you know, experience do it, but that also led me to the insomnia subreddit, which is not a place I encourage just people to spend a lot of time. It can be pretty demoralizing, but the one, the one benefit is that is where I learned about you and learned about the sleep coach school. So there was like a pinned post at the top of the subreddit of like, you know, comprehensive insomnia of medications and treatments. And the like second most upvoted comment in there was about sleep coach school and, and NATO method. I'm like, oh, what's this? And there's all these comments like, yep, this, this is it. This is the only thing like, this is the only gear, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that's when I said, well, let me check this out. And I go to the website and the YouTube channel and, and et cetera and just started kind of devouring the videos and you know you were really the first person i came across in in like the insomnia space that spoke of the insomnia experience in a relatable way and that's when i knew like oh this might be something because you kind of we've talked about earlier like how it begins and the most the emotions and even the things like like the hypnic jerks where it's like oh yeah i'm experiencing like other people do this. Okay. So like all of it. So, and, and then, you know, the success story videos like this were like such a huge, uh, huge thing for me because like, Oh, other people have gone through this and come out the other side. And even, even like I'm getting so deep into the weeds that I'm like reading the Apple store reviews for the bedtime app, like three times a day. And, and pretty much everyone is like, five stars and like this saved my life. The only ones that aren't are like people who forgot their password <laughs> and like think that's staff's fault or something. So, um, but as you know, th so this was like December and I don't think we first spoke till like February or March. So obviously there was a gap there and that was really because I wanted to stick with the CBTI and, and give it the fair shot. So, 
I kept going with that for a while. Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah. yeah you, you know, this is, I always ask about exactly this. Like, how did you find us? You, you share that in such a nice way. I'm so, I've, I, and I didn't know about that, that, um, <laughs> that, uh, pin the post. That's, that's yeah. so nice. Yeah. But, um, but that's it. I also wanted to ask about what happened to the CBTI. It's because of, of course you had this, like, you know, the first night after you met this therapist, that's when you, things really <laughs> spiraled. You had this like really the, the admission yeah. everything, but you still went back and, and how, what happened after, after that? Right. So shortly after the hospital stay, I re-engaged with the CBTI therapist. And the first few weeks, he really just had me keeping a sleep journal to use as sort of a baseline which is, you know, the first element of torture in CBTI of like, oh, let me remind myself every morning how much I didn't sleep. And, and if you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, you're not allowed to look at the clock at all. So I don't know what time I'm falling asleep. I don't know what time I'm waking up, et cetera, uh, in the middle of the night. I only really look in the morning, but you have to guesstimate all that. So, it, you know, you know how it is. And eventually she implemented sleep restriction for me and started with that midnight to 5 a.m. sleep window, which is basically what I had done myself and said, really, well, this is the accepted like industry standard minimum. It's basically cruel and unusual punishment to ask someone to try to sleep less than five hours. Uh, so we tried that and it, it was not working. And, you know, I would, you know, again, midnight to five, I've, and I'm still taking Doxepin and, and Zoloft at this point. And like, it would take a while to fall asleep. I could wake up two, three times a night and have to get out of bed and read every time and then go back to bed and still wake up like an hour and a half before my alarm. So do the math. I'm, I'm not sleeping much. And it's basically torture. Um, I did actually a couple weeks into, into that sleep restriction got in touch with my psychiatrist. I'm like, I want to just stop the doxepin because it's kind of counterintuitive to take this and try to restrict my sleep because it, it did eventually a, a couple weeks in started to hit where like I'm feeling drowsy on the couch and this and that, and, and, you know, having trouble staying awake eventually, but you know, I'm kind of attributing it to the doxepin. I'm like, this is just counterintuitive. So I cut that out and, um, miraculously, I guess, things kind of even got better after I did that. And so for about 10 days after I stopped the doxepin and got into Zoloft, I was kind of back to normal. Like I was falling asleep regularly, had hit the pillow, I'm out, still restricting sleep to, I don't know, four hours a night, but like feeling drowsy throughout the day, struggling to stay awake, uh, feeling that like overwhelming tiredness and feeling like my old self again, most importantly, like going out and socializing. So um, unfortunately that phase was pretty short lived. I woke up before my alarm one morning while doing the whole like sleep restriction thing. So I went from like, can't, can't stay awake, can't stay awake for like a week, week and a half to all of a sudden wake up one morning after like three hours sleep wide awake. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a little weird. And actually that night I did a home sleep apnea test, which had, had something that was planned. I knew I didn't have sleep apnea, but again, it's like, whatever, whatever I can do at this point, because you know, what are my options? And I got a terrible night's sleep that night, which granted I've got things up my nose and on my finger and strapped my chest, 
Uh, but that's when I was just like, all right, like this isn't, this isn't the right path for me. And like, this was like a Monday and my mood and my sleep just took a turn for the worse again. I told the CBTI therapist that I, I was done and she tried to convince me to stay. And she's like, you know, this is one little bump in the road. And, you know, it's, it's not the Zoloft that's making me sleep, but I like consciously, I'm like, well, every time I up my dose, like I sleep better, I feel better. And so I'm really delegating a lot to the Zoloft. And, but I, I was again, you know, not doing great at that exact point. So I did up my dose again to, to 75 milligrams and started to sleep again, but my mood was, was not great. And I was not doing too well on, on that front. Totally. Yeah. So you, at this point, you, you decided to take a break from the CBTI up the Zoloft, but you're not really happy with it. Still unanswered questions, still some confusion, but you have been kind of consuming our content now for a while. And, and is this the point where you decide to schedule a call with me or what happens next? <laughs> Very close. Very close. We're getting there. Um, I actually then up to a hundred milligrams and I initially resisted that the psychiatrist had prescribed the hundred. I'm like, Oh, that's just one step further away from getting off of it, which is what I wanted to do. Uh, but I'm like, all right, you know, he hasn't steered me, steer me wrong yet. And he's actually a, an old family friend, the psychiatrist. I, I went to school with his daughter and, um, great man and very, well, basically like a local legend in the psychiatry field. So I'm like, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. He wouldn't steer me wrong. So I, I stuck with his plan. And the sleep was choppy at first on 100 milligrams. Uh, but actually, I, I did implement like a timeless sleep window. I'm, I'm forgetting the terms now because it's you know, I never thought I would. But kind of a timeless window. And that kind of helped because I wasn't waking up at 2 a.m. and going, oh, it's 2 a.m. You know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just lay there and whatever happened, happened. And after a few weeks, I was mostly sleeping through the night, probably like six to seven and a half hours, not my normal, like seven and a half, eight, but, but passable, but experiencing bad side effects, night sweats, headaches all day, no matter, like, and I'd pop ibuprofen, didn't matter, like nonstop headaches. And my sleep was still far from normal. So my sleep before insomnia, I always, you know, I'd like into like a dimmer switch where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm fading at night and like getting tired and I'm out. And then in the morning, it's like you come to and slowly like you're kind of half asleep and then you wake up and you don't want to get out of bed and this and that. Whereas after insomnia, any any sleep I got was more like the traditional light switch of like I could stay up and up and up. I could lay in bed reading, watching, you know, streaming something, didn't matter. It was only when I said, well, let me turn out the lights and put my head on the pillow. Then I would just conk out and in the morning or at whatever point I wake up, it was just immediately like sleep to awake, just, just very abrupt. And beyond just the sleep, because again, it's, it's such a mental, mental struggle. My mind was really just still completely occupied by insomnia, like is where is this going? Is it getting better? Is it going to get worse? And really, I aspired, like I, I mentioned a few minutes ago, to discontinue the Zoloft at some point. And that was still a scary idea at that point for, for a couple of reasons. One was because I was delegating my sleep and really my mood to Zoloft. So I'm like, well, when I stop taking this, it could go south. Um, and really, that's and that's the second reason. It was like, Okay, if I start tapering off, very good chance that I go right back where I was. But 
ultimately I was still far from where I wanted to be. And I was sort of sick of living in limbo and I, I wanted to get back to both sleeping and, and feeling like normal. So that is when I decided to engage with you for the first time. All right. Wow. So yeah, you, you know, you, you told your story very nicely with all the ups and downs and all the, you know, all the faces of this. And, um, I, you know, on my end, I remember I had, a, you know, we, we had a very nice conversation and you already had a lot of insight. Uh, but I, on my, I remember thinking that I think Robert is, you know, some people that I have calls with are sort of like, they only have a few questions and I can tell that they're, they probably don't have that many more questions and that's very nice. But I, mm -hmm. I, I sort of sense that you, you probably had more questions and that there was a little bit of, you know, a little more of a path left for you. And that's why I was like, I think you would be a good fit for the immunity program. But on your on your end, I'm just curious now. How, <laughs> how how did it call feel on your end? Was it like helpful? Did you were you still skeptical, or, or, or what was it like? No, it, it felt great. Um, again, it was you know you're someone who gets it, and so it was nice to have that connection. Um, and so so it was it was really nice, and I I did like you said I I felt like the insomnia beauty program was was really for me at that point. And, you know, I, I, I probably came into the um, program as sort of a unique situation, which is I was sleeping some, I wasn't in like this terrible spiral of emotions and, and stuff. Um, and my lowest point really was behind me when I joined, but I didn't know that at that point. So I, I fully, like I mentioned previously, intended to taper off Zoloft and thought, okay, once I do that, things are going to go back where they were and, and be very uncomfortable. And so I looked at, you know, sort of the insomnia immunity program as this is going to give me the tools and the confidence I need to do that, uh, which it did. And my first couple months though, I was still on the Zoloft. You, they want you to stay on six months, any SSRI, or, or you risk like a high high risk of regression. Um, so I was on the Zoloft. I was about four months in when I when I joined the program. And so I had about two months where I was kind of like in this holding pattern of like I'm absorbing all this information. And then once I can taper, that's when like I'll really apply it. So it's like it's hard to apply some of the teachings when I could sleep seven hours a night, maybe. You know, it's hard to like, let me befriend wakefulness. It's hard to do when you're asleep. Um, so I was in that sort of holding pattern and, and, and it was kind of weird, but I was, I was very much still delegating sleep to Zoloft at that point, uh, despite what everyone else told me, like, no, 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 like, it's not all like you're doing this yourself. Um, but I was, I was very much delegating, but there were some, some high points during that sort of two months period. So one major milestone was I moved back to my apartment where I am now. And that felt like sort of a step back to normalcy. And I also slept great my first night back. Like I used to love like a Friday night, like get off work at five. I'm exhausted, eat and like just hop on the couch and zonk out at like seven o'clock. <laughs> and like, uh, so my first night back was like, I'm going on the couch and putting on TV. And like, that's what I did. And I fell asleep to like two in the morning and then I got up and went to my bed and slept some more. And yeah, it was 
that was wonderful. Um, and then the other really major turning point was I had this week-long work trip to Salt Lake City, where my company's headquartered. And I was kind of building up to that, like my first two months in the program, where it's just like holding steady, holding steady. But like, I have this on the horizon. Like, how's that going to go? And I've commonly slept on airplanes and trains and, and cars, you, you name it. But I went into this figuring, well, there's no way I'm going to sleep on this plane. Um, and I just didn't care, though, was the thing. Because in my mind, I'm like, well, how much of my life do I spend on airplanes? You know, a, yeah. a one or two work trips a year. <laughs> like, you know, the, it's not the end of the world if I can sleep okay at night in, in a bed, but don't sleep on airplanes. So lo and behold, I go to fly out of Syracuse on a Sunday night. And I'm just waiting in the terminal for my flight, reading a book. And I start to doze off right then and there, which was kind of like this, this magic moment. And then I had, I connected through Dallas to Salt Lake City, both uh, going and coming. And I, so four flights total. And I either slept or was close to falling asleep, barring outside factors on, on every one of those flights. You know, if it weren't for like, the flight attendant asking if I wanted a drink when I clearly have my eyes closed or like the seat being really uncomfortable. Like I would have slept on all of them. Um, and I didn't sleep actually great when I was in Salt Lake city, maybe a few hours a night. It was just super busy, uh, which was great though, because wasn't sleeping great, but my mind was for the first time in a long time occupied with something else. So I wasn't too hung up on the fact that I wasn't sleeping and the timing of that per or of that trip was was really perfect because i started tapering off the zoloft the week i returned from salt lake city uh, having been on it for about six months exactly at that point but you know and again i i had this vision of like here we go like this is gonna not be a fun summer because i'm gonna be awake the whole time this and that but i say the timing was perfect because I had internalized all the teachings from the program at that point. So like I was ready, whatever happened, I didn't care, whatever. Like I, I knew I had to do this. And when I got back from Salt Lake city, it was like a, a switch had flipped and like that, whatever few days between when I got home on like a Friday to my next psychiatrist appointment on, on a Wednesday, I was back to normal sleep wise. Like I was zonking out at night. I was napping on the couch. Like it was just like hundred percent normal. So I knew like, Oh, that's in there somewhere. I just have to draw it out, you know, not through the use of prescription medication, but myself somehow. Um, and so that was sort of, sort of where it was at that point. And then is that's when I, you know, began to taper. So the, the plan was, I spoke to the psychiatrist and he basically said, all right, well, we'll give you the option. You want to do it slow or fast 25 milligrams every two weeks or 25 milligrams every month you drop by. And I said, again, you know, I'm in your hands. You haven't led me wrong. So whatever you think works. And he said, okay, we'll do the, the biweekly drop. But if anything feels wrong, just let me know. And like, we can put you right back up, which I said, okay, okay, fine. But in my head, I'm like, well, it's going to go wrong, obviously, <laughs> like because I have insomnia and I'm just masking it with a Zoloft. Uh, but I'm not, I'm going to play it cool because 
I figure in my head, now I have to go through this to recover. Like I have to go to the, to the bottom again and start over and, and rebuild and train my brain like that everything's okay. And so, you know, the first day of my taper, of course, all I think all day is, oh, I wonder if I'll sleep tonight. I wonder if I'll sleep tonight. And that thought is no more, you know, no stronger than when I'm laying in bed that night and I put my head on the pillow to sleep and, you know, laying there, wonder if I'll fall asleep. And I just kind of, you know, it's intrusive thought. You can't, the more you try to push it away, the worse it gets. So I just kind of let it run its course and just logically remind myself like, hey, you've been taking this medication for six months at this dosage and like one day of 25% less is not actually going to have any impact at all. And so I ended up sleeping pretty well that night and I did have some speed bumps during my taper, you know, a few stretches where it was like maybe four hours of sleep a night for a few nights in a row and not feeling terribly tired in between. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is, you know, and then I'm thinking, okay. And then I drop another 25 and I sleep two hours a night and then I'm down to zero. Um, you know, just ultimately thinking, yeah, I'm just heading back to sleepless nights. But again, thinking I don't, I don't necessarily care. I don't want to, I'd prefer not to, but like, this is what I need to do. And now I'm, now I'm armed with the tools I need to, to, to address it. Um, but I did, you know, I did my best not to get attached to the outcome, as you say. So if I had a bad night, I just went about my day and, and tried not to think it, think about it too much. And, you know, what, what ultimately happened was things would just kind of improve when I had that mindset. So I would be like, okay, four nights, I didn't sleep more than a few hours. And, but when I was just like, who cares? Like, this is temporary and this is what you have to do. And, you know, a year from now, you'll hopefully look back and laugh at this, uh, which I can now. And it hasn't even been a year. Uh, that, that just, and, you know, something would click when I was just like, stop caring. And all of a sudden, oh, look, I just slept eight hours. So that kind of uh, brought me to the end of the program and my, my graduation from insomnia immunity. So nice. And, and that was, uh, what was that? Maybe like four months ago, three months ago or something like that? Not even, maybe, maybe two-ish. Maybe, maybe two? two-ish. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and had you already weaned completely off at that point or no? Yeah. Yeah. So cur current state today really is I've been off Zoloft to something months and it was probably, you know, and I was staying because there was a stretch where I was in insomnia immunity and I'm going to like the dropping classes and there's people who are like in, in terrible states and I'm just getting on like, I'm doing okay. I'm sleeping. Okay. Like I almost feel bad. Like I'm not going to waste your time, but uh, you know, at least I'm here and you can see like, Hey, this is possible. Um, but so I planned like, well, I'm staying in the program through my taper. So even though I'm doing okay now, like now it's going to taper is going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to be right back where these other people are. And that's when I really need the program. And then I tapered and it was like two weeks later and I'm like, I don't know, things are fine and I can rejoin if I need to, but it, right now it's just kind of 
I'm wasting everyone's time. And so like, I'm like, oh, it's time to go. So the the first few weeks, once I finished tapering and, and, and graduated from the program, I slept decently, but was still not back to that normal of like, oh, I'm so tired at night. Like I got to sleep and like, and I, and I longed for that. Like, that's where I wanted to be. Um, but in the last few weeks, even maybe a month, things have just improved greatly. So again, like I said, like anytime I'm in a rut, I just try to adjust my perspective. So if it's at one point, maybe like a few weeks ago, I was getting like six straight hours of sleep a night and that's fine, but it's not ideal. I wanted to sleep until my alarm went off or something close to it. You know, that like eight hours of, you know, kind of the, the normal sleep length for, I guess, most people. And I get hung up on that a few days, like, ah, I'm up at like 3 a.m. again and blah, blah, blah. And again, I just kind of stopped fixating on the issue and was like, even if I have to live the rest of my life this way, like it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm getting by in all aspects of my life. It's not my ideal, but whatever. And next thing you know that, you know, I'm back to like sleeping until the alarm. And now I'm, I'm, you know, right, right back was where I was before I started, I would say. It's amazing. Such a, you know, you, completely the arcs in such a nice way uh, you know in in real life and and, and storytelling wise also <laughs> was so nice to hear and um it yeah it's so counterintuitive like the whole like exactly as you said like when 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 you're like it's okay if this happens it doesn't happen if you're like this cannot happen then it happens it, it's very yeah. counterintuitive but but stories like yours is like really what makes it you know gives people hope and sees that it is possible now i had a few few questions for you one was yeah. um you know, for somebody tuning in here, they, they may wonder, like, what exactly did Robert learn? What was the aha moment? So what was he? So if you if you could may, maybe mention one or two or, or a few things that maybe you kind of like that really that you learned either from the free content or in the program or from my caller or something that that made you made a difference for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I and this is not just like sleep related, but it's it's like wider applicability in that like, and, and it's funny because now I just like, I'm attuned to, to look for it. So I see other articles pop up about like, here's the one way to cure anxiety and this and that. And I look and it's all the same, which is like, don't avoid it, but also don't feed into it. And so a lot of people that's, that's like a big thing now I've been reading where there's very high, uh, truancy rates of you like a lot of absenteeism of students from elementary and high schools and it kind of became normalized during the pandemic where like you're not at school every day and now there are kids who might struggle with some sort of social anxiety and this and that and their parents doing what they think you know is best and acting in the best interests of the children and who could blame them but oh you don't want to go to school you don't have to go to school but then you reinforce like oh I'm, I'm safe here and i avoided that situation because that situation is actually dangerous and so i i have to stay away from it where it's not so you need to really train your brain the opposite where like you know nobody nobody likes feeling left out or awkward at school and most of us have been there but like it it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things like you know and 
and that's kind of the the biggest takeaway. Hundred percent. It's it's basically you're describing this like the teaching around like perceived threats and real threats. Like we can get the idea yeah. that being in a social like in an environment with other kids where they're like we can think like oh they they don't like me or they think this about me oh this is dangerous and and then we our brain gets confused things as a real threat and if we if we treat it like that then you know the idea gets cemented so very very helpful to see this and um two more questions uh, one was um uh if you could let's say go back in time to you know when when this started becoming a real issue for you what what would you tell yourself what would i tell myself you know it's it's weird to say this but like i don't i don't know if i would change anything <laughs> and again because like i've talked about like i saw your program and i saw all these people that had great success with it um well before i joined but i think if it were like i, I can't you know who, who knows what would have happened if it was like a week into this and i saw that i discovered you and your program then I don't know if I, I, you know, I would have been like, I don't need that because like, again, I'm, I'm going to snap right back. So it's like, it's almost like, you know, and it's funny because I've watched all these and there's a lot of people who go, well, actually, you know, I'm glad I went through insomnia. And when you're in the thick of it, you're like, you can't believe that what's wrong with you. Like who would be glad? And there's certainly aspects of it I could have done without, you know, um, you know, basically like eight months of my life, I like, you know, wiped out where I just kind of was in the stagnant mode. But what I've, you know, I, I think I've come out the other end, a better person, and, you know, a, a better mindset on life in terms of like, you know, life is short, don't wait around to do what you want to do and like, go out and enjoy yourself and and do everything you want. And again, like, so much of what you think matters <laughs> like when your life is reduced to like this very basic thing which i liken to like you know like the the maslow's hierarchy of needs which i i couldn't recall from psych 101 however <laughs> many years ago but like you know up here is like this self-actualization of like i want to change the world and like what's my purpose in life but when you're at the bottom of of the pyramid it's like i need food shelter water and health and so when you're brought all the way down from like the second, third, fourth level to the bottom, um, you realize so much of what what we think is important in life isn't. And and you just want that, like, I just want to be normal. Like, I just want to get back where I was and be normal and healthy. And then once you do that, which I've done, now you go back and you're like, oh, man, the thought I, you know, stuff I thought was important in life is just, you know, stupid. <laughs> like, you can, I, I now have this whole new mindset, I guess. Hundred percent. Wow, amazing! And uh, and that you know you already answered the my kind of standard li- standard last question, which is like, has this um, uh, have you learned things that are applicable to other aspects of life? And you just shared right. that in such an amazing way. So I'll just say, um, Robert, it's uh, so wonderful uh, to have had your story here, and um, we'll conclude there. And I just want to thank you so much for for being here and sharing. Brilliant. Thanks, Daniel. I mean, thank you for everything. Anytime. Be in touch now. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye.